Welcome to the first Thunder Basketball Universe of 2020. That's right, it's our first episode of the new decade, and for that we've got so much to catch up on, including a long road trip that just wrapped up another super clutch performance from Chris Paul, and we'll talk a little bit about coaching with head coach Billy Donovan and some of his recent accolades, so don't go anywhere, it's the Thunder Basketball Universe. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. As usual, I'm Paris Lawson, and we're welcoming Nick back. He's been on the road for a while. Welcome back, Nick. It feels good to be back in OKC. Five out of our next six games here at home, so ready to be back at Chesapeake Energy Arena. Yeah, so good to have you back. It's just been me and Hindi who's sitting right next to me in OKC. Good to have you back, Nick. Thanks, <laughs> Hindi. Well, we're recording this on Wednesday, January 8th, the day after the Thunder returned from its four-game road trip that they finished off going 3-1, and one, capping it off with a nice overtime victory in Brooklyn, and the team is having a nice day off right now before gearing it right back up to play Houston on Thursday. And that road trip, Nick, you were there, you saw everything that went down it was really impressive to see the Thunder pull off three and one on a tough, for the second time, playing a four t- a four game road trip. Yeah, from the Alamo to the Big Apple, mm-hmm. the Thunder had a long way to go on that trip. Uh, four games, seven days: San Antonio, Cleveland, Philly, and Brooklyn. And they played really well the whole trip. Gave themselves a chance in every single one of those games. Just to go back to the San Antonio game, an emphatic way to win that game in the fourth quarter, that was really impressive. They have a lot of times where they always give themselves a chance to win, whether they're coming back from a deficit or maybe they've lost a lead, but they always put themselves in a position towards the end of the game to give themselves an opportunity to win. And a big key to that, which we saw in Brooklyn, was Chris Paul, or Clutch Chris, whatever you want to call him, who just erupted for 16 points in the fourth quarter. Two for seven from quarters one through three, seven of eight for 20 points in the fourth and overtime. What makes him so effective in this? I I know I have my opinions, but I'm curious to see. You're there. You're in Brooklyn courtside watching him. What do you see for him being so effective? He's operating as this data collector all game long. He's analyzing how teams are covering. He's he's showing restraint throughout the course of the game. He's saying, okay, I can get to this spot here. This is how they're defending this. This is what they're doing. And there's become this little formula basically now in the fourth quarters of games. As Chris is understanding how the teams are covering, they're going to get to this high pick and roll with Chris and Steven. And basically... If the opposing big man is playing back in a drop coverage by the rim, Chris is going to get to those spots in the mid-range. He's shooting 55% on mid-range jumpers right now. Layup. If, as Brooklyn did towards the very, very end of regulation and then in overtime, if they come press up on Chris really hard, he's going to quickly swing the ball, and you're going to get SGA on a one-on-one isolation with the opposing team's big away from the rim. That's like two different options there, or or maybe it's Dennis instead of Shea who's receiving that swing-swing pass. But either way, you're getting either Chris, Dennis, or Shea in a one-on-one situation, and those guys are going to score more than 50% of the time. What I'm hearing and what I see, and I agree with you completely, is that he's just so masterful at manipulating the multiple options that he has on the floor. Like you said, he's collecting this information like a computer throughout the entire game. And we saw in Brooklyn... 
he didn't have to score. It was one of those situations where midway through the second quarter, every player in a Thunder uniform who had stepped on the floor had put points on the board. So it's not like they were lacking in scoring. Yes, they went through scoring lulls and offensive lulls, but there weren't times where they needed an explosion of offensive firepower. It was just keep grinding it out. Now when the fourth quarter rolls around and there's an opportunity for the Thunder to get ahead and they need somebody to put some like serious points on the board, Chris has been collecting this information all game, and now he has the opportunity, after seeing that drop coverage consistently throughout the game, he takes advantage and he scores. I mean, and like you said, like those are layups for him and Dennis in that mid-range spot. There's no rush to get it all done. There's an understanding of how long this ga- these games are. That's so mature and something you only kind of see from a, a 13-year veteran in this league who watches film consistently and who's obviously played so much. You just don't get that from everybody. And I think it's it's a mixture of maturity and just intellect to know that my shots will come at the end of the game and I can knock down those shots when my team needs them. It can also be strategic. Like he's laying in wait and also getting his teammates involved, getting them into a rhythm, forcing the defense to feel like these other four guys on the floor are a threat, more of a threat than Chris is. And then that's why we've seen these flurries where it just like slaps the opposing team in the face in succession, four straight possessions where Chris suddenly has eight points because it's kind of coming out of nowhere because he's, uh, I keep using the word restraint, he's holding himself back until the right moment. It's almost like he's drafting in like a hor- uh, car right. race, you know? Yeah, and I think part of the misconception is that if Chris isn't scoring, he's not producing. But what is kind of lying underneath all of that is he's responsible for a lot of these teams' points. He's a point guard at the end of the day. So he's setting up his teammates, whether it's just dishing off for an assist, which naturally he is one of the leaders in assists in this league, or if he's setting this team up for a bang-bang kind of hockey assist type of situation, he's reading those situations throughout the entire game, and he is responsible for a lot of these teams' points. And then it just comes down to shot-making. And right. some of the ones he hit against Brooklyn, some of them that he – I mean, the whole road trip, he, he did a really nice job of knocking down shots. But the one in overtime was the first shot that he made. It was actually the what ended up being the game winner because mm-hmm. Brooklyn only scored two points. It's a 10-foot fadeaway on the baseline. His whole body is lurched at like a 45-degree angle backwards towards the right corner. I have no idea how he makes those shots, but he has this incredible way of basically driving with his whole body forward Mm -hmm. and really baiting the defense into thinking that this is a headlong drive all the way to the rim, then contorting his body, pulling the ball over his right shoulder, and shooting it in such a way that it can't be blocked. Despite having three point guards, the Thunder is one of the very best teams at not getting their shot blocked. You'd yeah. think with three guards that are you know, handling the ball, taking so many shots, getting into the lane in the middle of the floor, they'd get their shots blocked all the time. These guys are so crafty that it doesn't happen. And going back to that shot that Chris made, the, one, the game winner, there are only a select few players in the NBA history who can pull off a shot like that. That's He's six foot one, one yeah. on a good day with shoes. Like he he's going up against players who are six five, six six. In that case, was it DeAndre Jordan that he shot it over or was it Jared Allen? Jared but Allen. Still, six still, ten. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's a whole nother foot worth of I have to get this shot over 
this outstretched arm and he's masterfully figured out a way to, like you said, contort his body, get the shot off and make it go in. That's the other part of that. He makes it look so easy, but those are really, really tough shots to make. Him, Dennis, and Shay have all figured out ways to get their shots off in the midst of trees like that. So you guys have talked about how effective Chris is late in games, but we're not yet to the halfway point of the season and teams are going to start figuring this out, game planning against it. When teams take the ball out of Chris's hands, don't let him get into that mid-range. What is the Thunder's answer then? How do they score points in the fourth so that they don't have a drop-off offensively? I think that's a valid question and something that uh, obviously some teams are going to try to do later in this season. And we talked about this a little bit, Nick, but the value in the clutch time of having three point guards on the floor just opens up so many opportunities. It just has happened to be Chris in these last few games being the one to take those last shots. But in other situations, maybe it's Chris coming off that screen. They take it away with a double team. Now somebody else is open. And like we saw in Brooklyn, everybody on the floor in a Thunder jersey has an ability to put the, point, put the ball through the hoop. Yeah, Chris has been trapped thousands of times in his NBA career, double teamed there on those pick and rolls. And the key after that is how quickly can the ball move through Thunder players' hands to get the rotations to happen, those late closeouts to get one step ahead of the defense, then two steps, then three steps. And so that's kind of what we discussed earlier is if that pass out of the double team can hit one hand, then the next hand, you've got a closing out defender and then a dribble drive from Dennis or Shea uh, or maybe a roll by Steven, depending on how that's being guarded. And fortunately, Chris has seen every way that that's going to be guarded, and he's looking at the defender on the weak side, the back side, pinpointing what skip pass is open, what roll pass is open, what's the next pass out of this double team. And let's let's like take a moment and realize that the the point guard position on the floor is an extension of the coach, right? Like you're supposed to be the floor general on that floor. You're the one controlling the offense and controlling the tempo pace all of the options that happen on the floor. So for Chris, a lot of it goes back to coaching. And so the Thunder's been in these situations, these close crunch time game-winning situations, and recently have come out on the winning end of those where at the beginning of the season, maybe they weren't. And so a lot of this, I think, has come down a lot to coaching. And I give a lot of credit to Thunder head coach Billy Donovan for really putting his team in great positions to win in crunch time. And it's paid off recently as he's reigning NBA coach of the month in the West. Yeah, we've talked about how Chris understands the length of these games and that you don't have to rush and get everything in that first quarter. The coaching staff's doing the same thing. Uh, Just to pull back the curtain a little bit, I mean, last night in Brooklyn, the coaching staff is coming over and checking in with us at the scorer's table. How many minutes does so-and-so have so far? They're trying to pace these guys out. They're using the entire complement of the roster. I thought the insertion of Deontay Burton in that game against Brooklyn was a really nice way to try to get some pop and energy on the floor and to just give some of these veteran guys on the second night of a back-to-back a little bit more of a chance to hang in there, play the 48 minutes, and then still have that pop in the fourth quarter and in overtime. You mentioned coach using kind of the whole roster really masterfully. And in these past 20 games, we've seen the Thunder play shorthanded and with a full force roster. And both times coming out on the winning side of the ball game, 
that's utilizing everybody on the floor and keeping them ready so that when they come into the game, they make an immediate impact. For sure, having rookie in Darius Baisley be in the starting lineup in these games has been, in the games that they've won and played well, uh, has been really fascinating and a, a credit to the coaching staff to get a kid that wasn't playing competitive basketball last season into these games in the rotation as a starter. The other thing is, you know, being able to manage injuries kind of on the fly and still make guys ready to play. Mike Muscala gave the organization a ton of credit uh, before the Philly game when I talked to him, basically saying this organization, the training staff, the coaching staff, works as hard as anybody, if not harder, in the entire league at making sure the players are primed and ready to go at tip-off. That's so valuable because you never know when your number's going to be called. And if you're not ready, not only do you suffer for not performing well, but the team suffers because they need somebody in that position. So I give a lot of credit to, like like Mike said, the coaching staff and for the players for being ready to step up and take control whenever the team needs them. That's an organizational culture thing. I mean, since I've been here in since 2012 – Thunder coaches on the court have worked harder, just from my view, than any other team's coaches in terms of that sweat equity. I'm curious. I want to hear your perspective on this. Does having a superstar six-man like Dennis coming off the bench and being that injection of energy, do you think that trickles down to the rest of the players on the bench for them to be like, we can you know, really impact this game. Look what Dennis is doing. Chris has mentioned that a lot of times. Dennis is a starter in this league, and he's coming off the bench willingly and sacrificing. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Uh, yeah. I was just curious about because he looks like an assistant coach. Like he's like half the time just always up on the bench and just being a, a big ball of energy for the Thunder team. Well, if this guy who's a starter caliber player is picking up full court, is getting into the jersey of the opposing team's best offensive player, and going out there and playing with his hair on fire, why can't? the guy that's playing 10 minutes a night. You know, I think there is that internal standard that's being set by a guy like Dennis. And it's leading to a lot of team wins, which is really, really sustainable for this Thunder squad. The Thunder has gone 15-5 and since Thanksgiving. Good for the best record in the West during that period. And they've done it as a team. And you have a chance to send that team to Chicago during All-Star Weekend. And how do you do it? You Google it, just like you do everything else. So be sure to Google the NBA All-Star Vote and be sure to send your favorite Thunder player to Chicago during All-Star Weekend. Just Google it. You Googleize it. <laughs> like you Google it. You Google it. Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing for us today is the Thunder's great road performance as of late. After starting the season one of seven on the road, they've turned it around. And in this past four-game road trip, they went three and one, which is something that we didn't see earlier in the season, which is now just becoming who this Thunder team is. They're grinding out these really tough victories in opposing arenas and pulling out wins. The three things that stand out are low turnovers, low free throw attempts for the other team, and then late game execution. Anytime you're on the road, taking care of the ball 
is paramount. I mean, it's always paramount no matter what game you're in, but especially on the road, you can't give the team an opportunity for an easy bucket on the other end by turning the ball over. And in the month of December, the Thunder had the lowest opponent free throw rate in the league, so they're not putting teams to the free throw line, doing an incredible job of defending with their feet and not with their hands. That has been my favorite trend over these past however many games. I I think it was just over this road trip, maybe. The Thunder has made more free throws than the opposing team has attempted in all four road trip games recently. And that is a measure of not only being able to not foul on the defensive end, but also getting to the free throw line on the other end and getting easy points in that way. I think there's no coincidence that the one game that the Thunder did lose on the road trip was when they didn't shoot the ball particularly well at the free throw line Mm -hmm. in Philly. And they also had more turnovers in kind of important stretches in that game than any of the other games on the road trip. So really those two are the laser focus areas for this Thunder squad. And then some games you're going to make those shots that Chris is getting in the mid-range right. or Dennis or Shea. And sometimes Tobias Harris and these guys are going to knock down clutch threes and you're going to come out on the wrong side of it. But the important thing is putting yourselves in those positions to win games on the road. Have it be a five-point game with five minutes to go. And you're seeing them being able th- – those are all areas that you can control. You ha- you can only control what you can control. You can't control Tobias Harris knocking down a really clutch three-pointer, but you can always control your defensive effort, taking care of the ball, and staying clean on defense. Like Those are all things that you can control, and if you do that, you put yourself in a position to win down at the late end of the game. The one last thing I just wanted to mention that happened in the Brooklyn game was – I can't remember a time I've seen all five players just completely scrapping all out for defensive rebounds like those guys did in the fourth quarter in overtime. I mean, Steven's in there. He had 18 rebounds, but all eight other hands on the Thunder's roster were just slapping yeah. the ball, slapping arms, getting away with it. The ball's like flying loose and just keeping the play alive long enough that the Thunder can get to one of those defensive loose balls. And actually, OKC ranks in the top 10 in the percentage of loose balls that it picks up on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. So it's a really nice little hustle stat that shows they're trying to finish out these possessions and doing a good job of it. I did not know that. That's an incredible stat. and It says a lot about the defensive grit and toughness of the team especially on the road, which doesn't play to their favor coming to Chesapeake Energy Arena in five of the next six games, starting with a game at home tomorrow against Houston. Well, OKC is still 12-6 and six at Chesapeake Energy Arena. Let's not so forget. We like that home cooking, um, but it should be an amazing atmosphere. It's a national TV game on TNT. Uh, the crowd's going to be nuts, and you know, having Russ come back in the building will be just fun for everyone. Um, the level of energy that he plays with on the floor will be one thing. The ovation and some of the stuff that happens before the game will be really nice. So definitely make sure that you tune in to starting lineups, that if you're going to the game, you get there early. Get your popcorn and get in your seat uh, ahead of time. It is a later tip-off. It starts at 8.30, so be sure to account for that. But you're definitely going to want to be there and experience the atmosphere. How do you guys think the crowd reception is going to be for Russ? You've seen former players come back a bunch, but Russ, obviously, being here, this is his first time back in 11 seasons. What is his reception going to look like? Massive ovation, for sure. And then once we get into the game, I think... Russ would be mad if the fans did anything other than cheer as hard as possible for the Thunder. And 
actively root, you know, against him making shots. Uh, and I think that Russ will. Russ isn't going to take it easy on anybody, that's for sure. Absolutely. He's going to come with a lot of energy. And he'll get a warm reception before tip-off, but after that, the Thunder faithful will remain loyal to the team with OKC Thunder jersey. I think the fans kind of take the Russ mentality when the game's going on. Is <laughs> They don't have any other fa- friends on the court except for those guys wearing Thunder jerseys. And I, I, I think what Nick's point was, Russ would respect that. Absolutely. I think that's entirely accurate. Yeah. Here's what made us look this week as a TBU crew. It is our noted sixth man of the year candidate, professional interview photobomber. That's right. It's the German lightning bolt, Dennis Schroeder, who has had an incredible streak off the bench, averaging 18 points as a reserve. And Nick, you had an incredible stat that just jumped out to me. 17, 17, 17. Uh, the Thunder's number 17 uh, scored at least 17 points in 17 straight games, leading, capped by that Cleveland game where I had him for the walk-off interview. But he actually extended it to 18 straight games he with at least 17 points. He had to throw off the number, points. didn't I he? I know. Yeah. That, that streak came to an end in Brooklyn when he had 14 points. Uh, really had his first like poor shooting game in a really long time. This was just wild to me. He scored at least 17 points in every single game in the month of December. Like, it is so hard to Mm -hmm. be that effective, that efficient as a scorer for an entire month coming off the bench. Coming off the bench. I think that's the crazier part to me is that you have somebody who, like you said, is a starter willing to come off the bench and who consistently always puts points on the board and injects some serious energy to the Thunder team whenever they need it. During that stretch of 18 games that he scored 17 or more, he only shot below 45% from the field three times. So that just goes to show you, like, it wasn't just pure volume Mm -hmm. scoring. He was being efficient. I mean, anytime a guard is shooting 46% or higher from the field, that's really good. Yeah, I I think the other streak that we're not talking about here is his photobombing streak. I mean, he has literally been in almost every walk-off interview that you've had after games, and you haven't been interviewing him every every game. It's been really fun to see the guys jump in and, you know, Dennis mocking like Shay's little scoop layup and Steven's free throws. Hindi put together an awesome video that's on all of our social media. Uh, you should go check it out. Hindi, will you tell us about it? Yeah, basically, we've just been noticing this trend, and we thought, well, we need to put them all together. We need to have like a little interview photobomb compilation. And so I just found every win that we had, every post-game interview. And it was more than half the time somebody was doing something in the background while you're trying to get your interview. And then I spliced in a few like infamous photobombs. I used the Jim Carrey background guy from In Living Color. And then the little girl on the BBC interview, (laughs) you know, (laughs) traipsing traipsing into the room. Uh, just to kind of set the tone. And it was a fun video to work on. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we love doing. So definitely, we'll post a link to that in the uh, the show notes. So go, definitely go check it out. If you need a laugh, please watch this. It'll make your whole week. Speaking of making your whole week, it's time to bless your timeline. And what blessed our timeline was when the team went to Philadelphia, Chris Paul treated the whole team to an Eagles game. And Nick, you were actually at that game, not with the team, but you were there. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. 
I went with my dad and my godfather and my cousin, and we just froze our butts off up in the nosebleeds. <laughs> but it was so much fun. I mean, in with the NBA schedule, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that you're in a city with an off day on a NFL playoff Sunday. So the chance to get to a, a, a playoff game in the first place, let alone like my team, that was really special. But it was super cool to have all the players there too. Chris got a, a box or a suite or something for the players and coaches, and it seemed like they had an awesome time. The photos that our team photographer, Zach Beaker, took uh, were just priceless, uh, and some of the social media videos that came out of it Can we were talk great about Darius well. for yeah. a second? Nick, how did, you, how, did you, fan. how did you feel about that? Darius, like, heckling Eagles fans <laughs> towards the end of the game. They deserve it, for sure. So, I mean, if no you're going to <laughs> give it, you better be able to take it. So, you know, I, I like the, the rookie Bays, you know, dishing it out a little bit. So, and, you know, of course, unfortunately, the, the birds lost. So, uh, you know, that was a bummer for, for the, uh, the Gallo crew. But uh, a good time was had by all. I will say, if you watched the video of Baisley with the sound off, you could say that he was doing Fly Eagles Fly. And he was just flapping his arms like an eagle. I mean, you could take it either way. Till you turn the sound on, then you hear, go Seahawks. That's it for our first podcast of 2020. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and, you know, go ahead and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producers. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later. He was a weird owl. (laughs) Weird Weird owl Owl Yankovich. Yes. (laughs) Why has no one ever done that before? I don't know, because he kind of has owl-like features, too. Yeah. Yeah. What about, like, with that Who song, Who Are You? But, like, it's Weird Owl Yankovich. Oh. All right, I got my project for the afternoon. (laughs)